Greetings, everyone. This is Dr. Bill Fisher. I'm on the faculty of the School of Library and Information Science at San Jose State, and I'm pleased to welcome you to the first of our fall colloquium series presentations. With us today is Faye Miller, uh, who is a PhD candidate at Queensland University of Technology in Brisbane, Australia. Some of you may be aware of or have heard of Queensland because we have a, a cooperative program with them. Faye is actually not uh, attending Queensland through our program. She is uh, an Australian and actually lives uh, in Australia and is uh, joining us today uh, to help share some of her information about her current doctoral studies. She's also a, a lecturer in information and knowledge management at Charles Stewart University in Australia and the University of Canberra in Australia. She has worked in a number of research roles in Australian higher education and is um, with us today, actually not in Australia, but she happens to be visiting the United States, so she's actually in San Jose. And you'll see Faye in, in just a second as I turn the mic over to her and welcome her to our colloquium series. Thank you very much, Bill, and thank you very much for the opportunity to speak here at uh, San Jose State University today. I am uh, really enjoying my visit here on campus. Today I would like to share some current findings from my uh, doctoral research titled Building Developmental Networks of Early Career Academics, an Informed Learning Perspective. So here's an overview of what I'll be covering today. I'll introduce the topic by talking about the project's history, where the project has come from and how it has evolved and progressed since 2010. I'll then speak about the context of the research, the research problem, research questions and outcomes, some brief findings from the literature review, my methodology which is constructivist grounded theory, followed by a discussion of my current findings and the potential implications and contributions for a number of groups or audiences who may benefit from this study. I'd just like to give a bit of a personal account of my topic. I'd like to speak about where that topic has come from and uh, how it has developed over time. Um, I'd like to speak personally about myself as an emerging researcher, my topic and my research journey so far. So where I've come from, where I'm up to and where I'd like to take this project. Um, as Bill mentioned, I have been working in the higher education sector for several years, uh, mainly in research support roles and more recently as a sessional academic at both Charles Sturt University and University of Canberra in Australia. I consider myself to be an early career academic as a higher education, a higher degree research student working on my own research and collaborating with other academics and balancing that with part-time teaching and assessment duties. So this topic for me is uh, quite personally meaningful. If we go back in time and I try to pinpoint when this topic was born, it was probably a few years ago when I had um, some pretty profound experiences about my true calling and making that decision that yes, I wanted to pursue an academic career and yes, I really was going to tackle that great big mountain they call the PhD. I can talk about it now in a calm collect and collected way, but at the time I felt as though I was never to be seen again. But then I wondered why I was feeling that way. And after some time, I realised that it was because I managed to isolate myself and there was no need to disconnect when others wanted to help me. So one of the things I had to learn was how to allow others to help me and how to ask for help when I needed it and also how to give support in return. 
There's been a lot of talk recently about the future of universities and mentoring our new academics to replenish the academic workforce. I have been very fortunate having uh, three really great research mentors, but from the perspectives of some of my early career academic colleagues, it has just been a lot of talk and not enough action in this area of supporting new academics. This topic has grown from my own learning experiences, what I learned about myself, developing the confidence to make important decisions in my life and talking to other early career academics and research students about their learning experiences. Sharing our stories and normalising these feelings of anxiety or about our failures and mistakes, talking about our issues and being more open about discussing them with everyone, especially those who take an interest in our development both as new and potential academics and as human beings with lives that go beyond academia and this is really what I hope to advance. Embarking on this study has definitely helped me grow more confident in all aspects of my life and to learn that work-life balance is really important in being successful. So I think the more we discuss the experiences of early career academics, the more we can help each other learn and grow. It's about being open enough to share our knowledge and our experiences and I hope this study encourages having that ongoing conversation and a shared understanding between um, early career academics and all of those people in their networks who support them. The thing I've noticed about early career academics or anyone entering a new profession for that matter uh, is that the right, if the right support mechanisms aren't in place or the new person doesn't have the right skills to use those support mechanisms, then the whole system just collapses. And perhaps more importantly, if the academic doesn't feel supported initially, then all the right information and knowledge needed for them to perform effectively doesn't flow on from that and again the system collapses. So I ask, how can we avoid that? How can we build the support networks that we need? The metaphor of the spider web was often used by the participants in my study. Universities are complex, ever-changing ecosystems, to use that metaphor. There are a multitude of skills and attributes required to perform all facets of the role and all rely on information and knowledge and knowing how and when to use that information and knowledge. Perhaps in times of rapid change, the skill of learning becomes even more important um, and in order to learn these new skills and attributes required to progress as early career academics, the ability to use information underpins all of those necessary skills. Information is the molecule or the building block and how information shapes or influences our learning experiences is kind of a mysterious process. But if we look at the issue of encouraging open communication for early career academics and their support networks, it is obvious that we must work towards a better understanding of what informs learning and how information is experienced for developmental purposes, particularly in a complex learning environment that blends new and traditional ways of communicating and interacting with information and knowledge sources. In terms of my timeline for the project, uh, the research was designed uh, throughout 2010 with the first round of data collection and preliminary data analysis completed in 2011. This was followed by a second round of data collection and uh, final data analysis earlier this year with findings now being written up for my thesis chapters and I aim to complete the project by June 2013. Um, so a bit about the research context, um, the change is a major factor here, changes in higher education sector both in Australia and internationally, we're looking at uh, changes in government policies, changes in work practices, work roles and work culture in universities. There's an emphasis on a more output oriented culture and the conception of universities as sources of creativity and innovation in the knowledge economy. Early career academics and the future, um, acad the future academic workforce, as I mentioned earlier, uh, there has been a lot of talk in that area recently as we prepare for the future of universities worldwide. 
looking at the complexity of their roles. And uh, for this project, I focused on the issue of uh, the research teaching nexus, hence my use of the term early career academics and not just early career researchers. I'm acknowledging the relationship between research and teaching, uh, so that covers a whole range of support networks. Within this context uh, is this complex information and knowledge environment which blends traditional and uh, new ways of interacting and learning within these emerging academic cultures. Just looking at the research problem more closely, uh, the trends that are happening right now, there's a shift occurring from a focus on the individual experience to a relational or collaborative experience. Um, this has been reflected in the recent literature in human resource development, education, information literacy and information behaviour. The other trend is this increasingly complex information practice, a blend of new and traditional ways of interaction with information in this context, particularly for the beginning university academic. So what we need here is to gain a clearer picture of how early career academics are using information to learn within this complex information practice to build, maintain and utilise their networks for professional growth and development. And to do that, I'll be using the informed learning concept as developed by Professor Christine Bruce and I'll be using it as my uh, conceptual framework for this research. The study has two main uh, research questions. Uh, how do early career academics use information to learn while building their developmental networks and also what informs their learning while building uh, developmental networks? The knowledge gained throughout this research will then be applied to produce the following outcomes. A theoretical model of early career academics' use of information to learn how to create and utilise their developmental networks for the purposes of enhancing their research and teaching, and an empirical basis to inform academic development strategies and information development strategies to enhance mentoring, career development and networking training at universities. Now I'll move on to speaking about my literature review, um, just a bit of an introduction. Obviously uh, this is an interdisciplinary study, it, it draws together research from a, a range of fields including information and literacy, information behaviour, um, higher education, social learning and human resource development. The main purpose of this in initial literature review uh, was to develop a familiarity with the key concepts in my study. So the literature reviews in grounded theory studies are not conducted in depth initially as the findings from the data analysis will inform later stages of the literature review. So the literature review covers all the key concepts used in the design of the interview guide um, to have a general understanding of the key concepts and issues and gaps in knowledge related to my topic to effectively participate as a researcher in the interview conversations. Uh, the networking in academia section really identified that major shift in the individual experience to relational experience that I mentioned in my research problem earlier. So that relational focus suggests a need for further research in um, affective or emotional factors to complement the dominant cognitive based research. The emerging focus on uh, building social networks and um, human relationships by collaborative technologies and traditional communication methods suggests um, an increasingly complex use of information and knowledge by university academics. Developmental networking, uh, not much research done in this area in the higher education context uh, with only one major American study by Baker which uh, examines the nature of developmental networks in the postgraduate research experience. Uh, also studies into supervisory pedagogy and enhancing learning experiences for postgrad students provide uh, valuable insight into the supervisor uh, research student learning relationships. However, these studies focus on the research context only, so we need more research that encompasses a more holistic view of the early career academic experience. 
Um, a bit about my methodology of the research, uh, exploring early career academics' use of information tooling while developmental networking employed a uh, constructivist grounded theory approach. Uh, the paradigm emphasises personal, subjective making or construction of reality and a multiple realities perspectives approach. Closely related to this paradigm is symbolic interactionism, a perspective which assumes that individuals are active, creative and reflective and that social life consists of processes. So there are three um, major theoretical principles of a constructivist grounded theory. These are the creation of a sense of reciprocity between participants and the researcher in a co-construction of meaning and ultimately a theory that is grounded in the participants and research experience. Um, the establishment of relationships with participants uh, that explicate the power imbalances and attempts to modify these imbalances, clarification of the position the author takes in the text, the relevance of biography and how one renders participant stories into theory through writing. These broad principles were adhered to um, in working with the early career academics for the following reasons. The notion of co-construction of meaning and theory grounded in both the participants and researchers' experience adds uh, great value to the study to generate new perspectives and concepts that genuinely represent the voices of a somewhat understudied group. Being closely linked to the embryonic concepts of uh, informed learning and developmental networking means the methodology needs to allow for exploration of any connections and interactions between these broad areas. As a researcher has uh, significant work experience in uh, higher education alongside other early career academics, um, a theoretical sensitivity from the researchers can effectively facilitate the construction of shared meaning or, or intersubjectivity. Um, when my participant selection uh, purposive sampling was used to identify and select suitable participants, participants were selected based on the following criteria. Uh, they must be an academic within the first five years of a full-time permanent appointment to a university faculty who engages in both teaching and research activities. They must have had significant in industry or professional experience before joining the academy and they must have had experience with networking for professional and personal development towards learning how to be an academic. So in the first round of um, data collection, participants were identified through searching the university communications directory and uh, academic staff web pages online. So eight early career academics based on one campus of a regional Australian university within the faculties of education, science and arts agreed to participate in the study. In the second round of data collection, six participants from a major metropolitan Australian university were identified through staff directories. Uh, these early career academics were located in faculties of science and engineering and business. In total, 14 early career academics across two universities participated in this study. Data collection involves um, individual semi-structured face-to-face interviews with selected early career academics. The individual interviews lasted approximately 45 minutes and were audio taped using a digital voice recorder and then transcribed by the researcher. During the interviews, uh, participants were guided by a set of broad questions. Can you tell me about your position as an early career academic? Can you tell me about your professional experience prior to becoming an academic? Can you tell me about your experiences with developmental networking as an early career academic? And how do you use information to learn or what informs you while building your developmental networks? Grounded theory data analysis involves an iterative process, iterative meaning that I keep returning back to various points within the process uh, and revisit. So it's not a li linear process, it's continuous. And the data collection and data analysis occur concurrently. It starts with the initial coding uh, and categorizing of interview transcripts. 
coding involves going through each interview transcript line by line and identifying the key issues and concepts mentioned. Early coding um, is called open coding and the second round of coding is called focus coding which looks more closely at the emerging concepts. When codes are identified, these are organised into categories which are developed from frequently occurring concepts within the data. Constant comparison technique was used to compare the emerging codes and categories across each interview transcript. When a category was, uh, has reached saturation point, that means a particular concept has been mentioned by a significant number of participants and no new data can be collected within that category. Memo writing is used to record reflections on various experiences and incidents within the study and these are used to enhance and flesh out uh, the emerging categories and themes towards grounded theory development. I have one modified interview question which came from a reflective discussion that I had with uh, Professor Christine Bruce about the potentially limiting nature of the second question for a participant, especially when one's conception of information was more in the textual realm and not necessarily in the social. So in order to try and gain a wider range of conceptualizations of information, we have broadened the question to what informs you as you learn. Uh, to build your developmental networks in an attempt to capture a wider range of experiences that may be occurring. So this conceptual diagram uh, illustrates how early career academics use information to learn by building their networks for professional development. It works towards answering the questions of how early career academics use information um, the processes involved as identified from the data and also what informs their learning. So key concepts within this uh, diagram, the first is uh, knowledge as informed learning. So in this study, it is knowledge rather than information which is recognised by early career academics as a primary resource for their learning and development. The following quotes uh, suggest the idea of knowledge from people as informing the development of their learning networks. So information is just a piece of paper until you can relate it to someone knowing who wants it. For the, East, for the early career academic, information is conceptualised as tangible content or text, a piece of paper, uh, while knowledge is created knowing who wants it through the process of relating to the information until you can relate it to someone for a particular purpose such as learning. Information remains important, however, as the next quote suggests, early career academics place a stronger emphasis on knowledge that is intangible and fluid, particularly knowing the right people in order to access the most relevant and valuable information. So a few quotes here, um, the really valuable stuff in networking is not the stuff you can find in a journal or website, uh, Benjamin is who you want to speak to, that sort of thing, you know, oh he's doing the best stuff, you should check it out, but then you might find some of his stuff on his website but you only know that through your networks, so you have to know someone or you don't have access to that. Uh, first there's intelligence which is having and knowing plenty of people who will give you information and being able to react to that intelligence very quickly if needed. Intelligence is knowing what's what and being able to take advantage of that. In the next quote, so further emphasis is placed on accessing knowledge including skills as a, as a usable resource for their self-development and simultaneously the development of others, so the, the team around me. Information for developmental purposes is only accessible through early career academics knowing people and people knowing them. So it's not, it's a few quotes here, I think it's not necessarily about the information or content but more about accessing skills or knowledge. I use the knowledge of others uh, in the network not only to develop myself but to develop the team around me. 
I think that the main form is through the network of people that you know already because what happens in that is if they think or I would think that there is something relevant coming up for our development or other research, teaching or servicing, I would touch base with my fellows or peers. I think it is ultimately the most important and the most relevant way in which I get access to information and in a way it's also how I can keep track of my development, my learning. Uh, there's the human network that know the sort of person I am, the sort of things I'm interested in and can piece it together when they come across something and I'll do the same for them. So the last two quotes there, they suggest that knowledge is created through relating to information. Relating in this sense means having the ability to know what's relevant or valuable for theirs or another person's development. In developmental relationships or networks, these intangible knowledge types are shared or potentially shared within early career academics and their development between early career academics and their developers. The following section uh, discusses five types of knowledge constructed from the data that informs early career academics learning emerging from the findings. Each knowledge type refers to knowledge co-created in a relationship, so knowledge from the early career academic and knowledge from their developers. So these knowledge types are uh, experiential knowledge, which is knowledge gained and stored in one's memory banks from past experience. Um, experiential knowledge does not include one's specific expertise in theory, but does include the knowledge associated with one's expertise uh, that informs decisions or judgments related to uh, learning a new task or activity. This includes tacit knowledge or know-how gained from practical experience that may differ or contrast with expert or technical knowledge. Experiential knowledge uh, includes intuition developed over a long period of time that also informs decision making and the rate at which um, a, an action or response can occur. In this way, experiential knowledge is an intuitive way of knowing and using technical expertise. In the context of this study, experiential knowledge uh, can include knowledge gained from being a practitioner or, um, or a new academic. Uh, there's also technical knowledge. Technical knowledge refers to the knowledge of processes related to technology, skills, scientific expertise, policies and procedures. This knowledge can be found in humans or in databases, for example, um, how-to guides. Um, as a participant above suggests in her quote, um, some forms of technical knowledge can only inform uh, her learning to a certain extent and that uh, experiential knowledge is far more useful for learning her role. And disciplinary knowledge uh, refers to knowledge that is unique to a particular discipline. This means that uh, each discipline has different understandings of particular concepts or each discipline has contributed specific theories. This knowledge appears more often when interacting within their own discipline and learning more about disciplinary specific research or teaching. Uh, interdisciplinary knowledge is knowledge gained only from interdisciplinary interaction and collaboration. It is often synthesized from sources of different disciplinary knowledge such as experts working on a joint project or the project work itself. And uh, the fifth form of knowledge is personal knowledge which arises from uh, personal or social interaction. Um, some examples include uh, common sense or survival instinct, interpersonal skills, social savvy, uh, rational and emotional knowledge such as trust and empathy. Um, the study interprets information use as any interaction between people and information sources to create knowledge whether the knowledge remains implicit or becomes explicit. Interacting with different types of knowledge for learning activities is central to the study's conceptualization of informed learning. Using information to learn is described by every participant in this study as manifested through engaging in development, growth and or learning through relationships between people. 
The following quotes are from participant interviews encapsulate this notion. So, early career academics must be able to relate to the information before they can learn. The relationships between people make the learning and knowledge meaningful. What informs me is the relationships that I have, the development of those relationships and how they grow over time. Learning is informed by anything you receive through your senses that enables you to improve, enables you to do something at a better capacity than you had previously done. To me, that's what a network is. It's not just people, it's texts you read, it's articles you read, it's blogs, podcasts, it's everything. While each of these quotes expresses the importance of human relationships and relating to information for learning, the second quote places um, a further emphasis on the relationship itself and some of its various dimensions as informing one's learning. This difference in conceptualising the, the relationships approach suggests that there are at least two ways of experiencing informed learning in this context. So one, uh, early career academics learning being informed by their developmental relationships, so this is what I call the inner focus. And the second one is uh, as suggested by the third quote, early career academics relationships being informed by a variety of sources, so this is what I call outer focus. This presentation will discuss what is meant by inner focus, um, comprised of concepts such as knowing self, knowing others and layering of relationships. So when we talk about inner focus, um, learning from knowledge within developmental relationships, this view places a focus on the knowledge generated from interaction within relationships uh, in a developmental network. This is an inner focus which con concentrates on the relationships themselves as knowledge context. So to build on this notion of human relationships in response to either of the open-ended questions posed, each participant suggested and discussed the idea of reciprocity as being critical to successful creation and maintenance of uh, developmental relationships and networks. Such reciprocal relationships are conceptualised as being mutually supportive in that they provide benefits in the form of information, learning and support to the early career academics and those people who act as their mentors. Um, a developer in this study refers to someone who does not act as a mentor but still has a significant impact on the early career academics learning, such as a colleague, a friend or relative. Uh, data analysis involves the construction of a variety of ways in which early career academics use information to learn while building mutually beneficial relationships and networks. So the main processes identified which enable reciprocal interactions between early career academics and their developers um, are knowing self, knowing others and recognising layers of relationships. So this presentation uh, will focus on how they use self-knowledge and knowledge of others to build their developmental networks. So knowing self, knowledge of one's own beliefs, preferences, experience, expertise, skills, capacities and needs in a holistic sense is key to establishing and maintaining developmental relationships. Developing an awareness of and learning about oneself as a source of information and knowledge can enhance the quality of the relationships within the network. The focus here is on how the early career academic informs the development of a network or relationship as the following quote conveys. Um, you've got really got to get a sense when accessing a network of not only what I can get from the network but what I can bring to it. They're always very generous but I think it appropriate to actually have a sense of what you're bringing to it as opposed to what you can get out of it if you expect them to cooperate with you for very long. So that sense of reciprocity. Self-knowledge uh, can also inform early career academics' decisions about which ne uh, relationships, networks are most suitable and most effective for their own development. 
For example, participants discuss service activities both within and outside the university context, such as volunteering to participate in academic committees, reviewing government policy documents, or advising about educational technology use and sharing this knowledge. So these activities allow the early career academic to offer their self-knowledge for the benefit of others as a way of building and strengthening networks for developing their teaching and research. The following six activities emerging from the data uh, begin to illustrate the process of how early career academics interact with their self-knowledge to learn while networking. So the, the first is identifying. The first step in the process of, of learning for uh, learning in the uh, self-knowledge context involves early career academics identifying critical information from personal experience uh, towards forming an academic focus or niche. Uh, this, uh, the next is testing. This activity involves early career academics testing out or evalu and evaluating a variety of information or knowledge uh, for personal relevance or suitability for developmental purposes. It is related to the processes of experimenting and keeping an open mind about what informs their learning, so having an open inquisitive approach. Um, Feeling uh, involves interacting with emotional aspects of personal knowledge, involves um, feeling particular in, in emotional states that inform early career academics development. So based on emotional aspects of their personal knowledge, um, early career academics choose a particular course of action that can either help or hinder their learning um, and subsequent development. The feeling process is underlying each phase of the self-knowledge of self-knowledge development and is central to learning while developmental networking. Discovering. This activity relates to um, early career academics discovering self-knowledge to arrive at certain realizations or understanding of oneself. So early career academics' discovery of self-knowledge can involve the use of their own experiential and personal knowledge over time to realize or to become consciously aware of what has not been known about themselves before. So it is the act of bringing to consciousness a new perspective, idea or concept that existed in one's mind but had remained latent and triggered by interaction uh, with insight uh, from experiential or personal knowledge. Reflecting, uh, the activity involves interacting with rational and emotional aspects of personal and experiential knowledge through deliberate introspection. This process uh, comprises of thinking uh, about and analyzing experiences of relationships and networks to increase self-knowledge. The act of reflecting allows early career academics to make informed decisions about their networking prior to engaging in the next step of the process of offering self-knowledge. So the activity of offering self-knowledge involves contributing all types of knowledge to build a relationship with a developer or potential developer. At the same time, learning while building networks is informed by their knowledge or their perception of others. In terms of creating broader networks, one participant describes this experience as, I know everyone who works in my area, I know who they are, and I make an effort to interact with them and help them and give them information. So there's that kind of broader intelligence of knowing what's going on. That means people think of you when they're thinking of who would we put on this committee or we need an advisory panel and who would you ask. Similarly, in an effective mentoring relationship, knowing how one benefits their mentor um, helps in building reciprocity. Mentoring is a two-way thing, and often it's about someone senior recognizing that someone has the ability to make money for you or help you. And I guess even now I look at people and think this person could actually be quite good. So it's worth me spending money to take them to a meeting because I can see some advantage in it. In this way, the reciprocal nature of the developmental relationship enhances the perceived quality of learning while building networks. 
The following six processes emerging from the data illustrate how early career academics interact with the knowledge of others to learn while networking. The first is accessing. So this activity involves knowing how to access various types of knowledge from developers or potential developers within their network. The second is monitoring. The activity of monitoring involves early career academics maintaining an awareness of other people's personal uh, disciplinary and interdisciplinary knowledge to learn their roles. Aligning uh, involves early career academics joining and adapting to existing and new developmental networks. Seeking um, involves uh, the academics seeking out other people's knowledge to inform their development. So early career academics mainly seek experiential, technical, disciplinary and interdisciplinary knowledge to inform a range of tasks involved in learning their roles. Applying, this activity involves um, applying and demonstrating what they have learned from other people in their networks. In this activity, um, the academics are using experiential, technical, um, disciplinary and interdisciplinary knowledge gained from interaction with developers. And sharing, uh, this activity involves uh, sharing all types of knowledge to build networks and this d differs from the um, offering of self-knowledge. Uh, sharing knowledge with others also involves sharing knowledge gained from others and uh, knowing the overall impact if it is shared. So the diagram also shows that uh, building relationships occurs uh, mainly in the informal uh, sphere with different types of uh, learning experience by early career academics um, in the informal, non-formal and formal spheres. So just a bit about um, the contributions, um, a discussion of my findings um, in that sense. Uh, recent reviews of uh, developmental networking as a general human resource development strategy highlight the importance of the mutuality uh, perspective. So findings from this current study of um, early career academics reflect the reciprocal nature of successful contemporary developmental relationships. To build further on this perspective, the informed learning framework uh, with its dual focus on information use and learning allows the researchers to work towards revealing what uh, informs early career academics learning while developmental networking. Uh, firstly, mutually supportive relationships comprised of the early career academic self-knowledge, knowledge of others and various relationship layers uh, can be linked to research into early career um, practitioners, particularly the concepts of relational and individual agencies uh, as discussed by authors such as Edwards and Darcy, Hopwood and Sutherland and Warhurst. As participants each uh, discuss both working collaboratively and independently, according to their learning needs and situations, this study suggests that a combination or balance of um, relational knowledge of others and individual self-knowledge informs um, learning and growth. For these capacities to be successfully developed, we must first understand what informs such learning and how this informed learning varies across different situations. Secondly, this study indicates the use of or interaction with informal information much closer, um, uh, this needs much closer attention. Uh, literature on learning informally in higher education is focused on information sharing while social networking. However, information use for learning and professional development is a different context and the use of information to enhance quality of learning needs further research. In general, strategies to facilitate informal interactions through uh, relationships of mutual benefit are needed. Academic developers for teaching, research and career, uh, mentors, formal and informal, uh, early career academics and information and knowledge managers within higher education, uh, we all need to collaborate to enhance learning within the informal sphere. 
This could involve uh, providing opportunities and support for informal interaction and informal information use both online and offline to develop personalised developmental networks towards quality learning experiences for early career academics and their successful development of relational and individual agencies. So just to uh, conclude, um, themes of human relationship building and developmental networking in the context of the growing use of social collaborative technologies blended with traditional communication methods suggest an increasingly complex experience for information and knowledge use, particularly for the beginning university academic. The notion that information and learning are inextricably linked uh, via the concept of informed learning deserves further attention in a complex practice such as developmental networking. In an in-depth study, um, an in-depth study of this issue from an informed learning perspective has the potential to contribute to improving holistic support for early career academics and also to the higher education and human resource development sectors more broadly. So providing detailed insights into what informs early career academics development of the self as well as key relationships from research, teaching, collegial, mentoring and personal spheres may prove to be a useful platform on which components of academic development could be built. Thank you very much. Great. Thank you very much, Faye. Uh, very nice presentation. Uh, we're going to open things up to uh, questions, so if someone has a question, you can either put something into the uh, chat box or raise your hand. I, I do want to make a comment or two um, aimed predominantly at our students, and then I do have a question uh, for you, Faye, but um, first of all, if, if anybody is thinking in terms of pursuing an advanced degree after uh, your your MLIS. Uh, at some point, uh, this was a wonderful example of the process that uh, Faye went through from her initial um, introduction to how she got the idea to uh, her her discussion of her research and the implications for the findings, uh, etc. Very, very nicely done in that regard, and this is how you uh, take a study like that and begin to work with it uh, prior to the actual dissertation being finished and uh, being approved and, and everything like that. So it's uh, an exemplary model in that regard, in my opinion. My question uh, for, for Faye is, with regard to your findings and, and what you've uh, discussed, um, A, do you feel that um, your research is applicable? And then if, if the answer is yes, uh, to what degree or how so, do you think it's also applicable uh, not only to early career academics from the faculty perspective, but also is it applicable to students uh, who are coming back in or in programs, especially programs that are uh, totally online uh, like ours, like San Jose State, and are there, are there things uh, in your research that can potentially help students have a better educational experience while they're still in school? Okay, thank you, Bill. Um, yeah, that is a great question, um, and it's it's obviously something that I've uh, thought about myself, being a um, a PhD student, and, and obviously a lot of my participants are also PhD students while working. 
Um, and I don't think, I, th I think that uh, it doesn't really matter whether they have the professional experience or not or whether somebody is just a full-time student because I think that a lot of the issues that um, I'm finding and, and obviously today I haven't touched on all of my uh, findings, uh, there are other things there that are obviously uh, applicable to online education as well and that is a big area. Um, so yeah, I, I definitely think that there will be um, some implications for uh, higher education students and uh, and whether, um, so Christine, Christine Bruce has actually um, done some work into uh, pedagogy uh, for higher ed, higher degree to, uh, research students um, and some of that work will be used because uh, there are some things that are linked in with the findings that I'm coming up with at the moment. Great, thank you, Say. Uh, so if any of our um, uh, participants have any questions, now's the time to either add something into the chat box or uh, if you click on your microphone, you'll be able to ask, say, a question directly. Okay, uh, thank you, Elizabeth. Um, her question is, do you have any specific online networks uh, that have been most helpful to you building networks? Uh, okay, well that, that's an interesting question. Um, that touches in, it goes into uh, looking at social networking online uh, for learning and that a lot of my participants mentioned things like um, looking at, uh, well there are, there are, believe it or not, educational sites through, uh, through Facebook and uh, uh, I think most of my participants use uh, LinkedIn uh, a lot uh, when joining uh, some of their professional organisations, so learning learning through those uh, sort of online groups I think is uh, is a major um, finding as well. So yeah, how they go about uh, using that knowledge gained through online networks and then using that um, for their learning how to be an academic. And, and I would suspect and, and in fact hope that some of the universities that they may be a part of may have internal systems um, whereby faculty are able to interact <coughs> sure. with each other yeah. and yeah. Um, so those you know may not become uh, readily available to us outside the university because I know yeah. that we do a lot of stuff with our part-time faculty to sort of keep them connected to what's going on. Uh, at yeah. uh, both uh, SLIS itself as well as San Jose State. Yeah, um, okay, yeah, that, well internal uh, social networking is, is also um, another finding of mine which I will discuss later in, in, in next chapters that I'm writing at currently, um, but that is also um, a theme that popped up quite a lot um, when we talked about internal and how that changes the whole nature of the workflow within universities, so things like that. Okay, uh, Sybil has sent through a question, thank you Sybil. Uh, how would you develop more informal spaces online? That is a very good question. Yeah, um, so yeah, well obviously um, when we look again at social networking, um, a lot of my participants mentioned that they use um, sort of informal face like Facebook or um, Twitter 
those sorts of things uh, as, as informal spaces um, and just looking at the nature and the patterns of use um, of those social networking sites and then how, again, how that knowledge gained from, um, what kinds of knowledge were gained from interaction within those sites and then how uh, that sort of translates back into uh, sort of the, the physical communication. So yeah, there's, just a, there's, a, there's a whole blend of, uh, of um, communication modes now. So that also obviously affects, um, as I said, like the workflows and the work culture uh, within universities. But yeah, um, that is a very good question and it's uh, something that I would definitely like to think more about now that I've, I'm developing a, a clearer picture of um, what's happening and um, towards like the end of my uh, study, uh, I will probably uh, be able to answer that question <laughs> a little more clearly but um, at the moment I'm just gathering some understanding of that. But thank you. That is a great question and I will keep it in mind. Thanks. Well, and, and that kind of uh, brings to mind a question that, that um, you really didn't get into. You talked a little bit about your participants and how that they were, had been in academia for under five years and did have some industry experience, but, but my question would then be what was like the median age of your participants because I would think that um, Younger people would begin to develop some of those informal spaces online more naturally, um, taking sort of the generational uh, theory approach that um, if they may be new to academia but not uh, not kids, uh, if you will, and they you know may still be struggling with some of the technology as opposed to uh, younger academics mm, yeah, that have, sure. that have uh, been dealing with this stuff as they grew up. Yeah, sure. Yeah, um, I think that, yeah, that is definitely um, something to, that, that is a major issue obviously but we've also, uh, I would say that the median age for my participants uh, is probably 30, about 38 around then, around there. So yeah, I think that the, the, the major issue too was uh, that they were not just using Facebook or Twitter just because they were in a younger age group. It was looking at use of it in a critical sort of way, so uh, how useful uh, to their particular developmental situation uh, was how useful that social uh, networking technology was for, for them to actually uh, develop their academic work. So something like uh, Facebook in, in a sense that there were certain things within Facebook that were not actually helpful. So just knowing the difference uh, and I, I, that's, 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 I suppose that's a form of literacy in itself that know, knowing how to use the social networking uh, sites more effectively and not just using it because they're of a younger age group or they like to use it. Okay, we have another question. Um, did they use Second Life or anything within real time? Um, no, Second Life was uh, not mentioned by the participants that I interviewed. Um, I'm not sure what you mean by anything within real time. Uh, well, this session would be considered real time, I guess. Oh, okay. Potentially yeah. a lot of web conferencing or at least um, you know, web conferencing that where you can't go back and listen to the recording later. Yeah, that definitely. You need to be there. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, yeah, live webinars were mentioned as uh, very useful. 
uh, for people who uh, couldn't actually, try, at that level of academia, um, couldn't actually travel to the conference. So uh, virtual networking was a big uh, area. Um, being able to do this uh, online, obviously, such as what we're doing today. Um, so yeah. Great, thank you. Any further questions from our participants? Okay, I don't, I don't see anybody with the icon indicating they're typing or anybody going for the microphone. So um, let me again thank Faye for her presentation and, and being with us and, and being um, willing to share her research with us while she's visiting the U.S. Uh, let me thank our participants and of course thank uh, Randy Chang, our IT specialist who helps us keep everything uh, looking very seamless. And again, thank you, uh, thank you all for helping us kick off our colloquium series for fall 2012. Thank you.